Hello Gator Nation, welcome into the first edition of Locked On Gators on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde, staff writer for the Lake City Reporter. Happy Monday to everyone out there in podcast listening land and happy bye week to all the Florida football fans after the Gators open up their week zero matchup against the Miami Hurricanes with a 24-20 win. Not the prettiest of games. A lot for the Gators to overcome, four turnovers, five different lead changes in the game. But in the end, despite it coming down to the final minute, Florida finds a way to pull it out. Uh, Just their first win over the Miami Hurricanes since 2008, their second since 1985. So this was big for the program. You know, Florida Miami doesn't play every year, but this was big to get a win over an in-state rival, big for recruiting. So a lot for us to discuss, to dissect from week zero and this big win for the Gators. Uh, On today's episode, we'll talk about how the game was won in the first segment. The second segment, I'll do some uh, grading, grab out the report card, and we will grade the Gators and their performance over the Hurricanes. And in the final segment, we'll get some comments from Dan Mullen, what he had to say post-game about Florida's win, what they did to uh, pull it out, and some of his fourth down calls and and his thinking into the decisions that he made to kind of gamble there, but it paid off for the Gators in the end. But we're going to kick things off here with how the Gators won the game. And it certainly wasn't by taking care of the football. The Gators end up with four turnovers in this game. Just some absolute killers. And those turnovers alone pretty much almost handed the game to Miami. And in hindsight, um, really impressive that Florida still found, found a way to win the game because they found many ways that they just gave it to the Hurricanes. And it really started out from the get-go. I mean, Miami took the early momentum. Florida found a way to get the lead. And if they go down there on that other drive and punched in the end zone or even just get a field goal there, they maintain that momentum and they maintain that lead. Instead, Felipe Franks fumbles the exchange to LaMichael Pirine, and a couple drives later you get the fumble from Malik Davis, and the Hurricanes end up scoring off that. And and that was just really Florida's offense all afternoon. I mean, there was a lot of highs, there was a lot of lows, uh, some things that they're going to really go back on film and be frustrated by. Uh, In the end, though, they made the plays when they had to, and their defense stepped up. I mean, for the defensive line and all those guys to contribute, 10 sacks, the most by an SEC team since 2008. Uh, just a really incredible performance. And with that being said, pretty impressive that what we saw from Miami's new starting quarterback, Jerem Williams, uh, for him to put up the numbers that he did, take care of the football, despite getting sacked 10 times, I thought that that was a really good effort from a redshirt freshman against what we know was a really elite Gators defense, and they showed that. I mean, they gave up some plays to Miami as well, but when they got into the red zone and they had to make some stops, they they had to make a stand, they did. And that kept Florida in the game, allowed them to rebound from some of those turnovers. And to me, when you look at how the game was won in the moment that it was won, I really think it comes down to a sequence of three plays that if they end up in a different way, we're looking at probably a different result in this game. And and I'm talking about in the fourth quarter, after Miami has already picked off Felipe Franks, and they have already faked a field goal, and you know they're in position right there to score. I mean, this is one of those stands that I talked about from Florida defensively, where they got down, Miami got inside the red zone, first and goal, and they're not able to punch it in. I mean, you get inside the 10-yard line, if Miami scores right there, it's a different ball game. They have 27 points on the scoreboard, and Florida probably is not able to get it, get the win. 
But what happens on that third down play is C.J. Henderson, despite a push-off from Jeff Thomas, is able to get in position to just affect the pass and catch enough that Thomas can't come down with it. Keep in mind, if, if Henderson is not draped all over him and there's enough space between Thomas and the Florida DB, that's a touchdown in, in Thomas's hands. And if you watch the replay, Henderson is all the way down to the ground, pushing that ball out of there to keep it from being a completion. Uh, it, it was an elite play from an elite cornerback after what was a really frustrating night for Florida secondary. That was one of the bright spots that they had. And, and again, if, if that pl- pass is completed, Miami goes up and they have 27, and they don't do what happens the next play which is lined up to attempt a field goal after they had made their other attempts in the game. This time, their kicker lines up and hooks it wide right. And that right there gives Florida all the momentum, gives them juice, energizes the sideline, gets the offense back on the field, and it provides Felipe Franks with a redemption moment. And he goes out on the field after throwing an interception, which was high for Freddie Swain. Maybe he could have came down with it, but it it was not where the ball needed to be from Franks. He goes out on his next, very next throw and delivers a 65-yard pass on a rope to Josh Hammond, who still hasn't dropped the ball, by the way. Uh, props to number 10. And, and just a really incredible sequence of events right there because that just totally changed the game. Uh, that put Florida in position and then go down and score the go-ahead touchdown from Felipe Franks, who dove in the end zone. Um, but it was all those guys making those plays and Miami not making those plays that I think was really how the, the game was won for Florida. Now, it it got dicey there at the end, obviously, because the offense went back on the field, and Felipe Franks threw another interception. Some flags uh, by Miami kind of looked like they were going to be out of it and not have a chance to drive down the field and potentially take the lead, but some, some pass interference against the Gators allowed it to go down all the way to the wire, and there was even a third flag that came out and the refs talked about at the end so what looked like some good defense from linebacker Ventrell Miller who had an incredible game a guy that I've really been waiting to see take the field and get a a big role in this defense and he showed that he could handle that and more uh, on Saturday so this was the game that uh, many people probably thought that Florida was going to come in and and put it to Miami I, I wasn't expecting like a three touchdown win for the Gators but I did think that they would take care of Miami pretty pretty handedly and I was impressed by the Hurricanes and and what they brought to the table first year coach Manny Diaz he really put together a good game plan for Dan Mullen and this staff and and sure obviously with the history probably knew some tendencies of how to prepare for this team and what Florida was going to do but at the end of the day the Gators find a way to win an ugly game and this was a game in the past especially against Miami that Florida would have just found a way to lose. When you have that many turnovers, when you have so many things go wrong in the game, when you have sequences where you just basically are giving it away to the other team, it's hard to come back from that, especially in a rivalry game, especially on a big stage like that. And and Florida found a way to do it. I think that if this was uh, the Gators playing under Jim McElwain or under Will Muschamp, they probably would have found a way to lose this game. The Gators have just had a hard time beating the Hurricanes, and for whatever reason in the end, sometimes with these nail biters, Miami finds a way to pull it out. But that was not the case on Saturday. Dan Mullen and the Gators get the win. Mullen, by the way, still undefeated against Miami and also in-state rival Florida State going back to his days as the offensive coordinator. So uh, props to Florida. Now they get to sit back, 
kick their feet up, enjoy this bye week. Certainly a lot of things that they're going to have to work on. And we'll talk about this in our next segment where we'll grade the Gators and their performance against the Miami Hurricanes. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about Crossover Wednesday. The NFL season begins next week, which means Crossover Wednesday will be back. For the entire regular season, you will get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcasts and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment. Everyone loves the comfort of their own home, but there's nothing like going to a game and being a fan in the stands. And whether you're looking for seats on the 50-yard line or front row tickets to see your favorite band in person, Vivid Seats is here to help you. Vivid Seats is the top source for purchasing event tickets in the online marketplace. You can search for seats by section, row, and price, all in the Vivid Seats app. The in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards, allows you to purchase tickets to any concert, game, or show and earn credit towards your next live event. For the month of August, earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all purchases through the app. Visit the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Do that and you're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. From sporting events to theater shows, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the Vivid Seats app and become part of their loyalty program today. You're listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our next segment will be great in the Gators as we look at Florida's performance against Miami, how each position favored and, and the numbers that they put up in this game. And obviously we have to start with number 13, Felipe Franks, and his performance, which was kind of up and down, and, and it looked like at the end it was going to end with a positive, but then he throws that pick at the end, which I think kind of brings his grade down and just how his overall performance is viewed. Uh, if you look at the final numbers that he put up in the passing game, 17-27, to 254 yards, so still not able to get his first 300-yard game. He's still waiting on that. Threw two touchdown passes in the game and also had two interceptions as well as the fumble mis-exchange that he had with LaMichael P. Ryan. Don't know who you really want to put the blame on there with that one. Then he also had the option pitch uh, to Malik Davis, which wasn't him. I mean, that, that was in Malik's hands. But again, you look at those interceptions at the end and... That's really where you look at his performance and, and kind of take some points away from it. I gave him a, a C-plus overall. I mean, I think that he was kind of hit or miss. You saw that he was still comfortable, more comfortable in some situations, uh, did a better job of running the offense. There were some passes that he made where he put the ball on the money and he made some big-time throws, but then you had the inconsistencies. Um, you had some of the plays where he just got a little bit erratic, kind of got out of rhythm there. But again, you got to give credit to Miami and their defensive front and some of the things that they did to try and frustrate Felipe. But at the end of the day, you know, despite – that decision that he made at the end with the second interception that was really just a killer offensively and could have lost the Gators the game, I thought the rest of it he managed pretty well. I mean, the other interception, that's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to have a high ball that gets away from you and you throw a pick. Now, that was a really crucial pick there, but he came back, as I said earlier in the podcast, for and, and bounced back from it with that first throw, the 65-yarder, and then he caps off the drive with the touchdown run. So give him credit for that. Uh, he was certainly more product, much more productive than the run game, which I, I would give a C grade and not really a lot to be mad about with those guys other than the fumbles. Um, again, that one with Felipe and LaMichael, you know, that, that could have went either way as far as whose fault that was. But at the end of the day, that's a ball that they put on the ground. Certainly the 
the one with Malik Davis. Uh, he put on the ground. If he would have just stayed there when he got on top of it, I think they would have ruled him down, but he tried to get up, and that's what caused him to lose the ball again. He really wasn't involved much in the run game after that. LaMichael Piron, he averaged uh, over four yards a carry, four to two yards on the night, but he only had ten rushes. And Dan Mullen just talked about that the, the run game kind of got away from them, and it just wasn't really part of their game plan. Miami was doing everything that they could to take away the run, and they were giving them shots in the passing game, which is why Felipe threw 27 passes. Now, the Gators were still balanced in their offensive attack, um, but they had sh- shots and more opportunities in the passing game, and I think that's why you saw the Gators only end up with 52 yards rushing. Not a lot there for Felipe Franks also in the run game. So a, lo- a lot to be desired uh, from the Gators there, but I think in the passing game, a lot to like. I mean, I would give their group of tight ends and both uh, wide receivers an A. I think that those guys did a great job. When the balls came their way, they made plays. When they were asked to make blocks, for the most part, they did it. And some really game-changing plays against the Hurricanes that that, that really helped it go in Florida's favor. Uh, you look at the, the touchdown from Kadarius Toney. You look at the other catch from Joshua Hammond. You look at some of the catches that uh, Pitts made down near the red zone to put Florida in position to score. I mean, those were some vital plays that the Gators stepped up and made it happen. The one thing I did like is that they did try to get everybody involved in the receiving game. When you look at the stat sheet, Tony had a catch. Hammond had a catch. Jefferson had a catch. Cleveland had a catch. Grimes had a catch. All those guys got involved. Now, I think the one gripe from Gator fans is that they would have liked to see Tony get more touches. But the game just really didn't dictate that for the Gators. I mean, they only had 54 offensive plays. They had their set of what they wanted to do and how they wanted to attack the Miami Hurricanes. And at the end of the day, this was a matchup that I don't think you'll see replicate itself in terms of the numbers and the offensive output. For the offensive line, though, you got you got to give them a B. Felipe Franks was only sacked one time. They weren't really able to open up a lot of holes in the run game, but at the same time, the Gators didn't run the ball a lot. They, they tried to throw, and when Felipe Franks dropped back to pass, For the most part, he had time to throw, and this was a really good Miami defensive line. They tested Florida, which was obviously starting a lot of new pieces there up front, and for the most part, I think that they did a good job against what will be one of the more talented defensive lines that they see this season. Now, they'll see some better ones in SEC play, but this will still be one of the better defensive lines that Florida plays this season, and for them to protect Felipe the way they did uh, in their first game, I think that they should feel good about it. You go over to the defense defensive line and it was absolute domination those guys get an a without a doubt you saw the way that they were able to affect the quarterback with Jabari Zuniga leading the way I mean he was just an absolute beast up front really getting in the backfield and making plays along with Jonathan Greener those two guys coming off the edge for Florida is going to be a really dynamic duo to see and along with the linebackers you got to give those guys credit to certainly some other things that they could have done better in the run game I think they missed some plays but at the end I mean this is a B plus performance from those guys you look at the way that Jeremiah Moon played Ventro Miller played and the stats that he put up in his first start for the Florida Gators uh, he was incredible uh, with the two sacks that he made Jeremiah Moon was all in the backfield he's right there at that final play bringing Jaron Williams down for the Gators to win on that fourth down and you really have to like what you see from Florida's front set there's still not the depth there that you want but those guys in some critical moments really stepped up to the plate and bunkered down too because you got to give DJ Dallas some credit. He got free on that 150-yard touchdown run. But outside of that and some other plays, the Gators did a good job of containing him and their other running backs. So really where the issues came 
were in the secondary. And, and for that, I think that Florida deserves a C grade. Certainly some big plays that were made. I mentioned uh, the play by C.J. Henderson to open the podcast, but too many others where the safeties especially were just out of place or, or missed their assignment or missed the tackle uh, when they were in place, and that really hurt the Gators. That happened on the 50-yard the touchdown by D.J. Dallas. That happened on the other touchdown across the middle uh, that their tight end scored. Jawan Taylor not able to make the tackle. Now, he still led the Gators with six tackles in the game, but just not up to the level of play that the Gators need on their back end. The pass interference penalties at the end certainly kept Miami alive. It's not what you want to see from Florida, especially on the third and long. You just cannot, uh, in that situation, put your hands on the guy. You have to be better than that. And those guys know better than that, uh, and, and they'll learn from it. But those are all correctable mistakes, things that you can go coach on in practice. Again, give those guys credit because when they got down in the in the red zone, there were other times where they stepped up and, and they kind of locked down and didn't let some things happen. And that play from C.J. Henderson at the end uh, was a really pivotal moment in the game. And, and last but not least, you got to give an A to the special teams for, for what the Gators did outside of that fake field goal that they allowed Miami to convert, which it didn't end up hurting them in the end because they missed the field goal. Miami doesn't score off of that Frank's turnover. You look at the the play to fake it on, on the first three and out that the Gators would have had. They convert with Tommy Townsend converting on that on that run, and then later in the game, Miami muffs a punt and Van Jefferson recovers, and that was a huge play for Florida in the game. And Van Jefferson to see him alongside Tyree Cleveland right there uh, playing special teams, trying to make that play, it really kind of speaks to Dan Mullen and his program and the emphasis that they put on special teams. And we will hear from Van Jefferson tomorrow. But up next, after this break, we'll hear from Dan Mullen and his post-game comments from this game. You're listening to the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day. In the final segment, we'll bring you some comments from Florida coach Dan Mullen and what he had to say in Orlando after the game. Now, he met with the media at the podium, but then afterwards he walked outside and uh, had a conversation with some reporters. Here's what he had to say to us. Well, I think, I think our guys understand how to win football games. Uh, maybe not the right way, but they understand how to compete to win. You know, I think there's a lot of the things that we did poorly we can get cleaned up uh, and we can be better at. You know, uh, we, we take a lot of pride in our plan to win, you know, and we didn't follow that tonight, you know. And usually we can put that up there and say, okay, this is why we won or this is why we lost. I'm going to put that up there. I'm going to say we're going to put up a plan to win and look. It's going to say, hey, we probably shouldn't have won that game. But we, we had the heart to find ways to make plays to win the game. Any concern about the run game? No. I mean, 52 yards. Yeah, we only didn't run many plays, and it was kind of an awkward game. We were taking some shots. We felt like you know they were really trying to stop the run and left us with some good one-on-one matchups on the outside, and we were able to hit them. Uh, so I don't know if we overly committed to the run too much tonight uh, for how the game played out, you know. So, uh, you know. Would have been maybe interesting to see if I didn't like try to score there with three minutes to go if we could have pounded away on the run game and uh, let that let work. What do you think about the impression that you guys made? You talked about this week, the impression to the nation. I think everybody watching the game said, hey, boy, you know, there's a lot they can get cleaned up. But I'm telling you, those guys play hard. And they're going to play hard for 60 minutes. And we're able to do that. Getting a win in a big game like the Peach Bowl and beating your rival Florida State kind of carried you guys into a big offseason. How could a win like this carry you guys into the regular season? Well, I think I think it's great because we can go coach off a lot of the different little things we did wrong, a little bit of those different mistakes. Uh, and I know, but I don't have to coach about the effort and the strain and how to finish and how to go, you know, I mean, play as hard as you can. I don't know that I have to coach those. And so, uh, 
that's hard to coach. You know, what we can coach on is do some fumble drills, put the ball out, try to go fall on it, some ball security, some just different decision-making, some actually, you know, and uh, really good because we had a lot of young players play. You know, we had some, yeah. a lot of veteran players, but there were some young players getting some, some action, and now they've kind of gotten their feet wet a little bit. And, uh, you know, nice one is we get a little bye week, get everybody a little recovered, and then, uh, you know, then we're at home, I think, for, for four of the next five games. And, uh, that'll be fun. How much do you enjoy fourth and whatever calls? Well, the key is just call it and go. You know what I mean? If you start rip, thinking rip about it, like, like yeah, we gotta rip it off. Call it, go. Uh, <laughs> don't overthink it. If you're gonna do it, do it. And you know what? We have plans. We go through that. We we schedule it. Guys knew. Uh, kind of told them before the game. Hey, we're gonna call it first punt. First first punt. We're gonna we're gonna fake the first punt of the game. <laughs> you were gonna run the fake punt no matter what. Yeah. If you were in, inside your own five, you were running the fake. Yeah, I said, well, inside the 10, I might have thought about it. But yeah. we're, we told him, hey, the first punt of the game, we're going to do this. But How then much? you had another one inside the – I mean, from the 40-something. 50, yeah. Yeah, it's right. 49. And I went for it. Yeah, we felt pretty – we felt good about our calls. Clearly. You, would you have made these hey, calls last year? Guys. With these guys? Or did you not know, know, know them well enough, had that confidence in them yet? But it would have been tougher early last year with some. I just don't know the guys, you know. I mean, you, you look at the guys. Like, I mean, Tommy Townsend got a lot of trust in him. He's a senior. Uh, you know, decision between KT, who's a playmaker, and, and Felipe, and, and Felipe to Trey Grimes. I mean, there was put the ball in guys' hands that we feel confident with, and we were able to do that. Coach, your thoughts on offensive line play? I'll go watch it on film. I thought they did pretty solid. You know, I mean, a lot of a lot of new faces in a tough environment against one of the top D lines out there. I, I thought they hold their own, held their own most of the night. So good stuff there from Dan Mullen, and some really interesting comments uh, about his thinking. Uh, with the fourth down calls, with the fake punt, and, and very, very interesting to hear him say that their plan going into the game was that they were going to call that fake punt no matter what. Now, as he mentioned, maybe if they were at their own five-yard line, they wouldn't have called it. But no matter what, they were going to run it. So clearly they saw something from Miami's special teams that they felt like they could exploit. A lot of trust in Tommy Townsend to put him in that situation. It was not an easy conversion. I mean, he really had to jet it to the sideline to get that first down, but he was able to do it. A lot of other fourth down calls that that he rolled the dice on, every player that he put in position to make those plays, they felt confident in that they could go out and do it. And as he said, a little Spurrier-esque, hey, we liked our calls. And uh, I don't know how much he liked that call or that throw, rather, from Felipe Franks on that last pick. We all saw the gif from Steve Spurrier that made the rounds. Uh, it, it Just his look and face in disgust after that second interception. But, you know, maybe if Felipe is not getting pressured there or maybe if he goes somewhere else with his read, there's not a turnover. I do like that Dan Mullen kept it aggressive. I mean, it wasn't like it was the final minute of the game. There were still four minutes left. Florida needed to get some more first downs and move the ball. And if they felt like they could do it in the passing game, and as he said, they weren't giving them much in the run game, it's all good as long as your quarterback is smart with the football and goes to the right place. He didn't do it there. That's something that they'll work on in practice this week. But as he said to me, it's always easy to go back and work on those things and address some of the issues when you're coming off of a win and when you're feeling good about yourself. This was a a huge moment for the Florida football program coming off of last season where they beat Florida State, where they beat Michigan, where they win a New Year's Six Bowl, they finish in the top 10, and now this carries over into the 2019 season. A loss on Saturday would have just been completely deflating. Would have been another loss to the Hurricanes. You're the number eight team in the country. 
and you lose to open your season in that fashion, it would have been a big letdown and something that Florida would have had to recover from. Now, they showed that they could recover from some losses last season, but now they're off to strong footing. They have the week off to, to address some of their issues, and we talked about today how the Gators won the game, gave some grades out, heard from Dan Mullen. Tomorrow, we will hear from wide receiver Van Jefferson and also get a visit from Graham Hall from the Gainesville Sun to get his thoughts on the game and how Florida started its 2019 season. That'll do it for today. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Gators here on the Locked On Sports Network, your team every day.